listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Episode 91, Kung Fu Panda 2, The Kaboom of Doom. This episode is brought to you by the Roto Stickers. Every limited edition Roto t-shirt comes with the equally limited Roto Stickers. Put them on your computer, binder, or anywhere you want and show off your Roto pride. Head on over to rotoscopers.com slash store to get your Roto t-shirt and Roto stickers today. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kung Fu Master of the um, Flinging Monkey style, Mason Smith, and I am here with Mistress of uh, Jumping Otter style, Morgan Straddling. Whoop, 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 whoop. Is that my and otter Chelsea- noise? <laughs> yes, that is exactly what an otter sounds like. And... Chelsea Robson, the only surviving practitioner of uh, flailing antler style kung fu. Chelsea Robson. (laughs) Watch those antlers. (laughs) So we are the Rotoscopers, and this is the Animation Addicts podcast. It's a podcast where um, we talk about how much we love animation, and we review our favorite animated films. We try to go over all the nitty-gritty, fan-love-saturated details of of the movies that we review and so uh if you love animation you love talking about uh, not just the the fun parts and the quotes but the technical and the the music and the marketing everything then uh, you'll feel right at home with us Twice the Kung Fu. 
Skadoosh. <laughs> it even has a little skadoosh in it. Just one. But you got you can't just overuse those skadooshes. It's very, very particular when you use it for effect. It's usually a very super-powered move. Great job, Poe. Okay, so some general information about this film. The studio, it did not change studios in between 2008 and 2011. So it's still DreamWorks. Huh. The director is Jennifer Yu, or Jennifer Yu Nelson. And she is actually um, a sole female director on this film, which is huge because she has one of the, this is one of the top grossing female directed films ever. Um, it went on to gross $665.7 million worldwide on a budget of $150 million. So it made more wow. than the first film, um, which is why they've greenlit a third. Girl power. Yeah. So uh, this film actually went through quite a few name changes. It wasn't originally called Kung Fu Panda 2. It originally was called, it had the subtitle Pandemonium, uh, but then it was changed to Kung Fu Panda 2, The Kaboom of Doom. Um, the Kaboom of Doom. Yeah, that was my personal favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, but it, they just dropped it and simply went with Kung Fu Panda 2. Yeah, so. it's, it's too juvenile for what the <laughs> film deals with. recollection seeing it in theaters man i i saw it in theaters and i was really excited um i didn't see it in 3d this you know this one was rendered in stereoscopic 3d and i i remember feeling like it was an improvement on the first one and uh just i think the thing that i remembered most was the color in the film and i suppose we'll talk about that later but my first impressions when i first saw it in theaters was very striking use of color in the film yeah, I was actually living in Brazil at the time that this came out. So I this was the very first time that I saw this movie. So uh, these were my initial thoughts. Like the, the Kung Fu Panda series was never one that I really like gravitated to. I had seen the first one maybe once, but I don't even think I'd seen it all the way through. And then this one, I hadn't seen anything about it at all. And then I would like see random things about this villain, about how Shen is one of those villains that are just crazy on some random people's uh, top 10 videos. I'm like, who is this dude? (laughs) (laughs) He's a peacock for heaven's sake. Dang, peacock. I am not a fan of peacocks. I used to have some, just putting it out there. They are... Very dumb, but yeah, it was. It was. I have good thoughts on it now. Shen. No, they 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 really are. They have their <laughs> brains are like extremely small, and they just they're. It's like a goldfish. They're they're crazy. So my initial thoughts. You remember in last episode at rotoscopers.com slash ninety, I talked about okay, don't spoil me because I'm not sure if I've seen this movie or not. And after having seen the movie, I'm still inconclusive as to whether I've seen this movie or not, because watching it, I definitely remember this big reveal of, you know, that the, that Poe's dad wasn't really his dad. Um, I'm not quite sure how I would have gotten that from the first movie, because it's not even a, a storyline or really much of a hint that, that goes on. Um, and then I do remember Shen, but I don't remember any specifics about this movie, and I would have only have seen this movie in theaters, so... 
I don't know. I'm having quite a lapse in my brain, but I think I have seen it. But I was really glad that I took the time to see it again and to really enjoy it because this movie really builds upon the universe that they created in the first movie and makes it better. Like, I think this is the movie to watch rather than the first one. The first one actually is quite simple in its narrative. I'll agree with that. And Poe's journey. Um, But this film, I felt, just was so much more deep in, in the the concepts and the themes that it explored the uh, who would have thought that a peacock villain would be so much more terrorizing and deep and and just sinister than uh, a snow leopard but uh, it, he is lung. yes so yeah i love this movie those are my initial thoughts well for one part the the dreamworks animation intro is even cooler now mm-hmm. and they really do up you know the hybrid 2d animation in some in a lot of these sequences yeah for this film it's a, it's a very big part of it and it'll if you stuck around for the credits, the whole credits is quite a treat. If you like that, uh, that style of animation and, uh, quickly it becomes, uh, apparent that the moral of the story is that fireworks are evil. Absolutely. No, gu- guns are evil and fireworks. <laughs> there weren't yeah, well, quite guns suppose, in this film. It's implied. <laughs> well, let, let us, yes. ha- let us have our straw man argument. <laughs> yeah. but, um, People are but, yeah. evil, not guns. Have you not seen happy Gilmore? Guns. Don't Peacocks kill people. kill people. I kill people. Fireworks don't kill people. Peacocks kill people. Exactly. Or bunnies. So, um, you know, I thought this fireworks storyline was really dopey. (laughs) Just because of the very beginning, they have this They have this epic, it almost seems like an origin story. Like, at first you think these are, you know, two godlike peacocks that created the world. But then you realize, okay, they're just some people from about 50 years ago or something. Um, And they brought happiness to the world. And how did they do that? Fireworks. And at first I thought this was going to go somewhere with a little bit more substance. Like, did they bring happiness because they fought hunger? No. Because they stopped they poverty? Had, no. It, it's just like fireworks. Magic amulet or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, fireworks. <laughs> it's just, here's something sparkly to look at. Just ignore all your problems. Okay. Yep. Yeah, the opening monologue could have been improved on. I mean, I'm kind of, I, I'm not bashing this in any way, but it just like the way that it was going, I thought it was going to go something slightly more epic. Like, and also these two peacocks, just the way that they were animated and how they were flying above the, the, the city or whatnot, it made me think of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, the very first episode oh. of that. There's these two, um, princess ponies who basically, one is the sun, one is the moon. Um, and they basically rule and have harmony. And so I kind of thought this, that's where this was going. Like, oh, wait, did you say harmony? Harmony. Oh, wait, that's your line. Harmony. <laughs> it's you and me together. We can live in harmony. Uh, we got to just post the music video. For that. <laughs> I anyway. will include that in the show notes for those who have no idea what we're singing. They got to know by now. I, I sing it every episode, I think. <laughs> It's an interesting intro, but right away you get, you establish like the main color themes of the film. All right. Did you ever see the movie Hero? No. From 2004, it has Jet Li, probably Chow Yun-Fat just because it was that kind of thing. It probably had Ji Zhang, who was, uh, you know, in a lot of those kung fu movies from the 2000s. But that, the use of such thematic color um, was heavily used in Hero. And so I feel like... I feel like they took a lot from that concept. In fact, if you watch Hero, a lot of fans refer to the fight scenes in the film by their color. Like, there's the blue fight, there's the green fight. So, um, but in Kung Fu Panda 2, holy cow, they make some striking colors. Uh, I tried to look online for a color script for the film, 
Um, but if you just go through like uh, DisneyScreenCaps.com, you can find Kung Fu Panda 2 and see a lot of that kind of stuff. But um, oh, that's why you had so many suggestions for <laughs> for what the uh, thumbnail should be for this episode. Uh, yeah, where do you think I get all my laptop, all my computer backgrounds, <laughs> my desktop backgrounds? <laughs> DisneyScreenCaps.com. Yeah, and so of course, layout. Uh, DreamWorks has a, a very good layout department. They they know how to set up a, a shot digitally to where it's a striking composition. But specifically, the use of color—not just how they colored characters, but how they lit certain shots. And of course, um, as soon as Shen appears on the scene, you have your whites, your grays, and uh, and red. Of course, striking blood red. And uh, it works because, as we find out, Shen is a very bloody, violent character. And so, yeah, red was a good choice for you. So, And uh, actually, I, I learned in Chinese culture, white is the color of death. And so that makes sense for him. Interesting. So um, just talking in general generalities, can we talk about this incredible score? I mean, it takes a lot for me for a score really to stand out. But this score by Hans Zibber and John Powell was just... So above and beyond amazing. Um, just the way that it, it was so lyrical. Like, I, there's one fight scene at the very beginning where Poe is kind of bouncing off the top of a roof and it just sort of has this ting, 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 ting. Mm-hmm. And, um, just it was able to help dictate exactly what was happening in the scene by the instruments and the melodies that were playing. It, like, yeah. I, I think I said this in the last episode. It sort of reminded me of those some of the scores from early Disney films in the 40s and 50s. Like, um, oh no, I said this in my review of the Pinocchio soundtrack. Um, I'll include a link to that so you can watch my review. But I felt like the scores back then just were a lot more literal in yeah. helping us know what the scene was telling, um, rather than just big broad strokes, I guess. And I felt this score did that, and it really drew me in. Yeah, there's that, like you were describing that first fight scene where they first square off against the wolves. I think the first wolf that starts sword fighting with him, the sword clangs match up to the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, like- so it, it's a very creative, like, interweaving of the, because the action, it goes up and down. It's very madcap in this movie. And so mm-hmm. the it's really cool that the score and the music kind of matches the little comedic beats and you know, little little jabs of of adrenaline and you know, and 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 thrills and de- ups and downs. And so, yeah, very very well done score. Yeah, if you listen to it out of context, it's kind of hard to follow. But when you watch it in, like, they just do a fantastic job of elevating the tone, elevating the tone of the dialogue, elevating the tone of the action, of just everything that you see on screen or hear is just so well put together. And I think that the score really does a good job. Like, what's really fun about the DreamWorks movie is they, DreamWorks, they just have this sense of humor where it just goes back and forth from serious to, like, not serious, and then right back to serious. And, like, <laughs> it's it's fun when you understand that that's their humor. And it's like, I like it. I mean, John Powell and Hans Zimmer, they, like, knew that going into it. They knew that this was going to be the way that DreamWorks is, or at least Kung Fu Panda specifically is. And so they're just going to hype that up a little bit more and make it so that the, you know, on this phrase, it's going to be a little bit back and a little bit forward. Like, it's just, it's fun. They do a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So quite a a bit of time has passed. Poe is pretty comfortable now as Dragon Warrior. One thing I noticed when I first saw it, is that Shifu is kind of the, he's now the new, like, wise old Uguay, you know? Mm-hmm. 
there's an exception at the very end, but for the most part, Shifu isn't the uh, rough and tough, you know, irascible kung fu master that he was in the first film. Now he has achieved inner peace, and he's more, you know, more zen than violent. So that was cool, but I did remember that his role was way, way toned down in the sequel. And um, it makes sense. I mean, he got pretty badly beat up by Tai Lung in the last film. And, uh, you know, a few years probably have passed. And so I don't know how long Red Pandas last. But anyway. And there's such good quotes. And the first one that I thought of uh, watching this one is when Poe's like, don't worry, Master Shifu. I'll master inner peace as soon as I get back. <laughs> yeah, not much has changed. He's still, kind of he still a... takes it serious, but he doesn't <laughs> take it serious. Well, it's kind of a foreshadowing because, like, in the end, Poe kind of, they they kind of joke around that Poe does achieve inner peace like very quickly in the film. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of when they're reunited, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of the yeah. next time they see each other. It's like, and how then did you do um, it so fast <laughs> and so young. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of resentment. Oh, I love this film because it it's, it reminds me of Robin Hood or Disney, how they kind of establish <laughs> yes! which which animals are good species of animals and which animals are inherently evil animals. So. Wolves and gorillas are, and peacocks are evil, um, but like bunnies and ox and rhino and alligators are, and crocodiles are, are good, are good animals. So, and they're kind of scary. They're like these evil hunchback kind of hyena guys, and they all have, you know, curvy swords. You can tell us the bad guy if he has a, you know, curvy sword. Oh, absolutely. You know, these bad guys, you know, they, pull a Jafar. they sort of mm-hmm. reminded me of some of the, just your basic villain, you know, when you're in the middle of the field in Twilight Princess, one of the Zelda games, like oh, just yeah, the those way guys. they moved and walked, they were kind of like just your generic, yeah, I got to beat you up and whatnot, but you know, anytime. And it's interesting um, how there were no like common thugs to beat up on in the first film, but this one... Um, you know, there's a lot more like kung fu warfare going on, you know, and then they upped the action a lot to where you have these amazing action scenes where they're fighting off multiple bad guys. And so I guess the script called for an army of evil weasel wolf thugs, you know, and right off the bat in the first fight scene, it's okay. For one, it's evident that they really, really pumped up the um, like the uh, not the realism, but the authenticity to Chinese culture because they did even yeah. more. With this, uh, I mean, the animation crew and the, I think the directors went out to China and they went to a bunch of rural towns and cities and stuff and, and studied all that. But just the detail and, and the amount of like awesome stuff and little moments that they pack into the animation is just so cool in the sequel. I noticed in the first fight scene and in throughout the film is that Poe just like throws himself at all the bad guys. <laughs> and Crane is always there and he's constantly having to break Poe's momentum before he like crashes to the ground. <laughs> did you guys notice that like he would just jump off a cliff and then crane would like dive down and pick him up and just like break his fall chest a little bit to where he could <laughs> scurry off you know so little stuff like that was really cool well going back to what you were saying about how they really tried to make this authentic authentic to chinese um culture it was only about a year later when we started the podcast that was when dreamworks started their kind of partnership with china and they actually put a um, studio there too. So I thought that was just kind of a cool little thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, in this scene where they're beating up on all the wolf baddies, it's, it's nice to see the Furious Five, like, actually kicking some butt. Like, they tried to square off <laughs> against Tai Lung in the first film, but it really didn't go over well for them. No, it didn't. <laughs> and, and they, they didn't get enough screen time then. And this time they did 
play off each other's like personalities a little bit more. They actually had personalities, some of them. Um, like Crane showed off a little bit of his, like, when have I ever made that sound? <laughs> that was funny. Wings of justice. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That move was like a typical, it was just reminding me of like a sailor moon. Like they all yes. have these little, like bubble beam oh. or like a Pokemon sort of thing. That's their special attack. Yeah, exactly. But That's it's very typical where you have to say your attack move as you're doing it. You can't just do it, which gives your, you know, kind of a leg up on your opponent where they know what you're doing. So they could probably avoid oh, yeah. it. But where he's like, Pikachu, use your Thunderbolt attack. Rockslide, it is no match for my Onyx. Haha. <laughs> Rockslide. Onyx. Man, I gotta go back and watch Pokemon Origins. Yeah. Garfield. We need to do a Pokemon episode now. It's anyway, time. <laughs> it is time. Forget Watership Down. Oh, Sorry, yeah, Sarah. I <laughs> don't anyway, think, um, I don't oh, think the, that's gonna go over too well. <laughs> we're yeah, gonna no, it. The movie that people have wanted for decades. We're gonna do the seventeenth Pokemon film out of thirty. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So they're they're fighting and they do this little gag where there's a little bunny who's playing the mandolin during the fight and. Uh, I don't know if that's another hero reference, but there's a, a fight scene where um, two guys square off and there's a guy playing the mandolin in the background and the, the music kind of goes along with the action. So I don't know if hero was like a was like a reference for the film or if the, if hero just has a lot of kung fu tropes that we've we've come to recognize. But and he also looks like he's he's some sort of Beatles reference. I don't know. Those little those little round little glasses. <laughs> Poor bunnies, well, though. Yeah, seriously. Bunnies. Oh yeah, and then we get into the kind of the meat of the the plot is that Poe is about to beat up Wolf Boss, you know, and he sees the insignia. This mysterious of, symbol. Yes, the mysterious symbol from Shen. He who it is or where it came, he knows not, nor does he care. <laughs> but uh <laughs> and it it kind of gives him a little a little flashback of some some scary moments in his past that maybe he's been suppressing and so we go into this whole thing about Poe not having inner peace. And it's weird how, hmm, it's almost like Shifu knew the moral of the story or Poe's like little spiritual journey before it even started to happen. But that was my anyway. only problem with the writing in this. I felt like they needed to have like some type of interaction with Shifu where he was like, you know, brought something back about his childhood or something like that to make him think about it or have some other type of a, I don't know. It felt like it needed something right there to reference later on that he would have these suppressed memories. Yeah, he just kind of like prophesies about it or hints at it and then pose like, oh, all of a sudden I don't have inner peace. Right. And that was that was like the only part of this movie that oh, I didn't really yes. I didn't approve of entirely. Yeah. And it, it all kind of kind of. Well, kinda and this was never in it ties into. Oh, and it all kind of ties into um the kind of silly thing with Poe. Like, I'm sure Poe always knew that he really wasn't the duck guy's son, biological son, you know? Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm adopted. You Suddenly know? I have all these emotional issues and struggles. Yeah, that, I, now that you say that, that is a big problem that I have with this movie. Because he was totally fine. Like, there was some point of him that he had to have known. Like, they have that scene where he's like, but why didn't you t- mention it? Well, why didn't you mention it? Yeah. And so, like, they, they both knew. But, like, having this confirmation 
suddenly like throws him for a loop and he can't and, and he has this struggle and he doesn't have inner peace not that he had it before but i don't know i just i found it hard that he was always that suddenly this just became an issue for him because yeah, he's he, so like lackadaisical in everything that he does and he's so chill i don't really buy that this was like why couldn't this just be water off his back like everything else yeah yeah yeah, I think the only clue we have is that maybe he just pushed it in the back of his mind until uh, when he's facing off against Wolf Boss, he first notices Shen's, like, insignia, mm-hmm. and that triggers a bunch of, like, long-suppressed memories. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's a, it's a thing in the film, throughout the film, that encountering the symbol interferes with him fighting. And so it makes it almost impossible to defeat Shen and his minions until he comes to terms with the horrific memories that go along with with the symbol and so that's the only thing but yeah at the same time like just kind of the timing and the the order of the sequence of events of how poe kind of had this little spiritual journey is fishy and kind of silly but but it it doesn't mean the film's bad it's just kind of one of those things because you know a lot of these marvel films they try they do the origin story first establish that Maybe mm-hmm. fight one bad guy, and then you go off and you <laughs> save the world. But this one, you know, look at look at Iron Man. You know, he didn't really get over his alcoholism until the end of the second one, and then there was even more conflict in the third one, inner conflict. And so, Kung Fu Panda Two tried to do an origin story and a, you know, relieve your inner conflict, and I, you know, take a tums, <laughs> and uh, in the same film. So yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. Yeah, because of that, Kung Fu Panda 2 rivals, in my opinion, it rivals How to Train Your Dragon 2 as the most emotional DreamWorks film. I'll give him that. It was emotional for me. That it did have a great payoff. Um, yeah. But that was just my only. That is my only thing about this movie is it should have had maybe the insignia a little bit beforehand, where he kind of like brushes it off or, or something, something that. Like, because it, it was just too quick. Like, well, that was just too quick. But yeah. everything else, I was just like, I really like this movie. And then you're finally, you come to this realization that there's no pandas in the world. Well, yeah, technically also in this world, from what we've been shown, there's no other tigers. And there's no mm-hmm. other cranes. Uh-huh. And there's, you know what I mean? But so, it would have been, I think it, the way they could have presented this is in this film, maybe we could have seen a more diverse cross-section of these bigger animals rather than just having like general population our bunnies you know we could see maybe some tigers walking in the marketplace and you know see all these other creatures but not pandas and have him think and wonder like am i the last panda sort of like the last unicorn am i the only one (laughs) (laughs) they all passed these roads long ago the red bull chasing away Oh man! The Red Bull that needs He's to be the villain be the in the third film. film. <laughs> that needs to be there. Yes. But you know what yes. I mean. I think of just him sitting on the steps, just Pirate looking out at the people, and then it, that we could go into that that flashback where he has the insignia. That's where this could really have a punch, and it's not going to yeah. be like, well, this came out of nowhere. But man, it is what it is. Seriously, they need to hire us. We're like yeah, so please, good. Please, we're like the best. Okay, we're like so. <laughs> Good. Anyway, um, yeah, I hope, maybe I'm speaking too soon, but I hope they go into Tigress's backstory in the third one, because she's like an orphan too. She's the only, she's the other confirmed orphan in the series. 
And so, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe all, uh, apparently it's rumored that there's going to be six Kung Fu Panda movies. So, um, what? maybe the rest of them will be, um, what? relieving the inner, the inner conflict of the Furious Five, you know. <laughs> that might Tigress, be. Tigress, you have, you must find inner peace. <laughs> okay, Mantis, now you, you must find inner peace. Oh gosh. You know, speaking of that, uh, in some of the, the voicemails and in the comments of the last episode that we had done, a lot of people said, oh man, I love Tigress in the second movie. We get to see so much uh. more of her character. And I hadn't seen the second movie, so I was kind of expecting this to be more Tigress centric. And I didn't feel that at all. Like, maybe they maybe hyped I... it up way too much for me because I was like, I felt like this was very Poe. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't get hardly any of her. So, I got hyped was, way too much, but this is not a Tigress story. Not at all. I feel like I feel like everyone got a few more lines. You know <laughs> what I mean? Jackie well, Chan the, the got two lines. Cast, yeah. Um, they hardly did anything in the first film, but in this one, they had they're more of a team. You know, there's more banter and, and dialogue together. And then um, what I think they're trying to say is that Tigress really opens up emotionally in this film, and you get to peel back some of her layers. You know what I mean? Because there's a, a moment where where she has to pretty much banish Poe and uh, forbid and, and forbid him being Chen because he's not strong enough yet. Mm-hmm. And instead of beating him up to make him stay, she gives him a, a little tiger hug. Oh, just a little tiger hug. She should have been purring. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that makes everyone's jaw drop because they're like tigress hugging. What? Other people and um, physical affection. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, and the whole thing goes into she probably realized, hey, I'm an orphan too, and Poe shouldn't feel like he's alone in this, you know. And so I feel like her relationship with Poe is a lot more warm and close than in the first film where she's like, I want it. I should have been the Dragon Warrior. You are just a stupid panda and. Um, you know, you'll, you'll never convince me that you're the dragon warrior, you know? And then at the end, she has respect for him. And so I, I think that's what they're trying to say. And that's what I was saying in the last episode, how they kind of go into her character a little more, gotcha. but only somewhat. I hope they expand her role even more in the third film. She's really interesting out of all those other characters. I think Tigress is, you know, the biggest character to me. I would love to learn more about her. Um, Viper is number two. Uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe Crane. I don't know. I don't really care too much about Mantis or Monkey. <laughs> no, really. Mantis, <laughs> ugh, Seth Rogen. I really, I yeah, get him out of here. But anyway, uh, if they just killed off Mantis in the third film, I'd just be happy. <laughs> but anyway, maybe uh, they need to have tryouts again for the Furious Five, and one of them gets cut. Ooh, oh sweet. Ooh, oh, making snap. the Varsity Squad, and who's on the bench? Oh, <laughs> uh, who's on the bench? But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um <laughs> anyway. Um yeah, and then Viper too, you know. But I I really hope they get more into Tigers. You know what's interesting about this franchise is it's very emotional and but unlike How to Train Your Dragon, there's no love interest. There's no romance anywhere. Ooh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, you don't need a girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need any. He just girls. needs food. They're like there is no time for a love interest with Poe. There's no. I don't know. Maybe in the third one when he meets the the Poe village. Ooh, but, yeah. Me. Wrapping wrapping up how how emotional the film is. There's um the part they they really go into his relationship with his dad. I mean his duck dad. 
you know? He's a yeah. For one, I love I love that he's serving tofu now. Do you remember in the first film where he's like, one time I had a dream I was to make I was I he had this crazy dream that I was going to make tofu, you know, and now he's making tofu. So he he must have followed his tofu dream in between the end <laughs> of Kung Fu Panda, Kung Fu Panda Two. That's true. There's not a noodle in sight. And he's like, well, you know, uh, ducks they little ducks hatch from eggs, and and don't ask me where the egg comes from. He's <laughs> a goose. I love uh I love how uh <laughs> I love how awkward he is. He's just a great character. <laughs> he is awesome. And just... he's so sad to see, he's and he's so sad to see Kung Fu Panda 2. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I I'm referring to the character as Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, um, I really want noodles now. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's it's like that one episode where we talked about um those little girls that you're talking to who referred to Rapunzel as Tangled and not Rapunzel. Oh yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I I just referred to Poe as Kung Fu Panda. Um, but anyway, um, he's so sad to see Poe go and and um, fight off Shen, you know, yeah. especially after thinking about how much of a, a fun journey it was to raise little baby Poe. Come on. He that is too a, adorable to handle. change. Baby animals are to die for. They're it's so true. cute. It's to die <laughs> Well, Scar would just eat them. But... Yeah, I thought that was a, yeah, a cute could little... Be, could have just eaten Simba. The radish box, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. Oh, the radish. There's a little radish motif throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, in in all, there are some really tender moments, and, and more so the stuff with the duck dad mm-hmm. uh, were the moments where I, I got emotional watching. And so um, you, can, you, can, you can write this one. You can take this one to the bank. Kung Fu Panda 2 was one of the few animated films to get old Mason all teary-eyed. Oh, you got uh, teary-eyed? I did, too. I did, but I, I got even more so with How to Train a Dragon, too, but there's yeah. all sorts of personal stuff weaved in there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, let's do a complete 180 and talk about the nastiest character in the film, the evil villain. Evil! Lord Shen of the Peacock. Can you do the voice? No, no one can match Goldman. <laughs> he has such great lines. Okay, let me bring up a quote. Let me see. Because <clears throat> he doesn't have an asian accent no no his just every time he was talking on screen i'm like i love you his voice was amazing and just the way that he was able to you know do his dialogue the only reason you are lying is that i can fight is that i find your stupidity mildly amusing i can't even i can't do it gary oldman but if i did a fan dub he would sound like that (laughs) yeah who do you think you are panda who do you think i am peacock (laughs) <laughs> Why are we laughing? That's such an awkward part. There are some really fun, awkward moments between Poe, who doesn't take anything seriously, and he's still just a kung fu f- fanboy, and Lord Shen, who is extremely grave and sinister. <laughs> oh, I love it. Were you looking for me? I said that too soon, didn't I? That's <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> He's like, scars can heal. No, they can't. Wounds heal. Then what do scars do? <laughs> anyway, still doesn't have this whole kung fu hero thing right. But anyway, I think Shen is an awesome villain. Did we ever write about him on our, our animated villains? I don't think yes, so. We did. Oh, we yes, did? did? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He I was one of the few non-Disney oh, oh. ones that made the cut. <laughs> 
Yeah, no kidding. But he's just great. One, his voice. I mean, Gary Oldman really rocks it. I love it when he's a bad guy. I just love the fact that it's Detective Gordon. Like, Commissioner Gordon is, from The Dark Knight, is Shed. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he's all over the place. Serious Black. Uh, he was yeah. in the latest uh, Planet of the Apes. But, yeah, I he really, I don't know. I think he's a very versatile actor. And then he just really had that very regal but evil voice down mm-hmm. for this yes. uh, for this character. But Shen himself is um I I did a little research and the uh technical directors for his character commented that uh animating Shen was so complex it was like animating five or six characters at once. Oh wow. Yeah, and was his it, tail his thing? Yeah. Well, yeah, bird bird birds for one are very complex. Uh they have like joints and and bones and 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 points of rotation and pivot that you know, regular bipedal human characters don't have. And, um, that's, I think that what's, that's what makes them such interesting examples of animated characters is that birds are very complex, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got the same vibe from Owls of Gahul, which I actually like. I don't, I don't know if anyone really watched it or caught onto it, but I thought it was a good film. And, um, the birds are very cool in there. And then, of course, on the more t- cartoony side, you have Rio 2. They have some very, cool bird animation and i don't know why i'm I'm so fascinated by them but maybe it's your an- destiny to one day animate a bird oh yeah totally is tweet tweet well i i, I am <laughs> i am doing a project where i'm where i'm animating a deer a wolf and a snake close um, enough close enough that's, a, that's practically a bird four. <laughs> yeah so anyway um Three. Yeah, it, the animators uh, did a terrific job of integrating Shen's like bird anatomy into his fighting style. Like, a par- like apparently he does a, a style of kung fu where you use an iron fan to attack, but also distract your opponent. And of course, he has his own fan. He has his uh, tail that he uses to distract, distract and disorient his uh, his victims. And so um, everything from his tail kind of swooping like a cape behind him to um, hiding all these knives and blades underneath his wings. And he's just a master of, like, deception and, tra- and traps, and he plays dirty, you know? And his character design is just, like, sharp. That's the only f- word I can really use to describe his character design. Because he has very delicate, very, like, sharp-looking ornaments on his feet, you know, and his uh, beak. his beak. Yeah, yeah, and his little headdress, so... So everything about him is just um, very sinister. In fact, uh, when you first see him fight uh, Master Ox, Master Croc, and um, Master Rhino, um, he walks into the scene and this just giant red shadow follows him and just envelops the whole scene. And soon enough, when they start fighting, all of the cast shadows turn red instead of black, which is really cool. It's another example of the dynamic uh, colors used in the lighting. And then, of course, uh, he has this cannon which just blows old Master Rhino out of the water no. and threatens to destroy all Kung Fu. You know, but I just got Kung threat. Fu. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Oh, yeah. There's this one little moment where his duck dad is like, no, I don't want Poe to go because I love him. And Tigress is like, don't worry. He'll be back before you can say noodles. And I'm like, mm, Tigress, comedy <laughs> is just not your strong point. <laughs> Please stop trying. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They should have played that moment more where they're like, what? No, that just doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Comedy is so, yeah. not your calling. 
Also, we get two new Kung Fu masters. Master yes. Ox, who's a... Oh, he's the guy from the Allstate commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's De- Dennis Haysbert. I know him best as President uh, Palmer on 24. But also Jean-Claude Van Damme voices Master Croc, and he only has like two lines. Why are you paying so funny. much for two lines? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'd like to see, I'd like to read how much they pay their voice actors. I'd like, actually, this is something I'd, I'd be more, I'd be really interested in. How much these big Hollywood studios pay to contract these voice actors to come in and do their, these celebrities to do and to come in and do their voices. I would like to learn more about that. So, listeners, if you have more information, please tweet Mason at MasonSMTX. He wants to know yeah. more. Let's talk. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Like two lines, yeah. really. I mean, I'm, I'm curious. 30,000? 50,000? 10,000? Well, I'm sure he... he 5,000 pounds. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he recorded more than that. That's just all they kept. Because listening to... You know, one I really love, if you have not listened to Mason's interview with Christopher Knights, definitely go and listen to that because he is, yeah, he's not a huge voice actor, but he's had some really cool lines. <laughs> and yeah, he's um, great. He was, that was a really cool interview. I enjoyed it a lot. And while, uh, Mr. Van Dam doesn't have very good lines, uh, Poe really racks up the awesome quotes where <laughs> he's like, nerves of steel, souls of platinum. <laughs> <laughs> stealth mode. Crunk did it first, but still Poe does a good job of, of not nailing stealth mode. And then throughout the film, he, he's put into conflict with Lord Shen. And then another, another thing about Lord Shen is I love, I love when the villain is a parallel, is like an anti-parallel to the protagonist. Mm-hmm. You know, Darth okay. Vader is what could happen to Luke Skywalker if he follows the dark side, you know? Mm-hmm. And let hate be your ally. JK. But anyway, uh, Shen represents, he has inner conflict. He has uh, mommy and daddy issues. And I like uh, I like Viper where she's like, she's like, quiet, Mantis. It is Poe who is freaking out. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Shen represents, well, maybe he could be a vision of what Poe might become if he does not settle his conflict and find inner peace. Yikes. Because Shen found Shen was determined to to take happiness by conquest and by dominating uh, all of China. Mm-hmm. You know, Isn't and that this, the eternal battle? Somebody who just wants more power. I know. It's like Voldemort said: "There is no good and evil. There is only power. Those too weak to seek it." Your wand, Lucius. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, uh, I should do another video where I do my non-animated voices. Mason Dubs. <laughs> she would have Muggles mate with them anyway. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, but Shen has this awesome scene with the soothsayer goat lady, which that's a whole other topic, who we all thought was a man, I suppose. And uh, he's like, I don't know, just the animators do such a good job of selling how much turmoil is in Lord Shen. It's one of those, like, ain't you tired kind of things where he's like, dude, does he really want to kill all these people and, and take over all of China? But he, he does think he has to do it because he has to make it right how much his parents hated him. And he thinks that the only way he can distance himself from, from betraying his family is is by just diving deeper and deeper and deeper into this bloody conquest and just kind of heaping up a bunch of layers on top of his his inner turmoil. You know, he sort of has the same issue that Tai Long had 
where yeah. Kai Long, um, all he wanted to do was to please Shifu. And then there's that one moment where he could see in Shifu's eyes that he was disappointed with him when he was trying to steal the dragon scroll. And this is yeah. the same thing because there's that part of the one of these flashbacks where, you know, you see the parents and they're both like, eh, aghast at what he's <laughs> doing. Like, Mom, Mom, Dad, I just slaughtered all the pandas. Are you proud of me? They're like, what? You monster. You're a monster. <laughs> and it's it's kind of the same thing. Then he's like, oh, well, I'm, I need to prove that to them, to make them happy. And so, uh, which I'd never really noticed until this moment. With but. evil fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so how about that? How about that? Uh, Bab ass sheep sheep ram ram goat goat she's lady. She's interesting. You know, she's so condescending to Shen. I, I wonder why she still hangs out with him at the same time, why he just doesn't punish her for the mean things that she says and, and kill her, basically. Because um, she can see the future. Yes, but uh, it's not helping him. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no. Her future if you is continue, not good. If you continue on your current path, you will reach the bottom of the stairs. What? You're just <laughs> telling me the present, the, the future? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I thought the 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 soothsayer had some pretty funny moments. But yeah, it is kind of funky. Like, why doesn't he just kill her? Maybe maybe he it's a pride thing for him. He wants to see the look on her face when he proves her wrong and yeah. conquers all of China. Probably, yeah, probably right. Plus, she's his only friend, kind of. And she kind of drifts around where she's needed, right? Yeah. Well, so I don't know if I'm jumping way far ahead, but there's this you know big battle where the Furious Five come and. And Poe gets hurt, right? And then she leaves, and she saves him with acupuncture. Which, isn't yeah. that always the answer? As someone who's <laughs> just been referred to an acupuncturist, the answer is yes. <laughs> well, we can't all be acupuncturists. <laughs> no. Your husband had to be a cross-dresser. We could have a Kung Fu Panda versus Mulan death match. So What I think is even more sinister is that Poe is, is trying to come to terms with his past, and he has this vision of his of a mom, you know, his mom running away from him, and Shen. Maybe he's maybe he's jealous or something. But Shen tries to um, tries to put it into his head that his parents abandoned them and that they hated him. And for just a tiny part of the movie, that was kind of Poe's fear, you know, of the unknown. Like, why did my parents give me up? Why was I orphaned? And uh, what's very evil about Shen is that he tries to get into his head with it. You know, she's not a... Is she a kung fu master? Master? <laughs> master? <laughs> uh, I don't know if she's the master there, Morgan. <laughs> uh, she's just psychic. She doesn't... She's not like uh, Ungwe, right? No, no. From the first one? Yeah, or Shifu. No, yeah, it's not just... like Ungwe or Shifu who are like mystic but also kung fu masters. Yeah, she's able to help him in a way that no one else is. You know, stop fighting, let it flow. And I thought that was just some really interesting advice. Like, sometimes you just have to stop fighting and go with you know what god wants for you or what you feel is the right path for you instead of what you just want to do um because once he does that things start working and he's able to see these flashbacks which he's been so stifled with and but he wants to find out what happens but he just can't get past that because of the symbol and you also learn he's a waterbender during this scene <laughs> so like isn't that the oh <laughs> uh, yes we're burying the lead there i mean this is an... this is important <laughs> It is, it is. So, anyways. <laughs> and then she's, I, I like where he's kind of rejuvenated, he's excited, and she says, your story I'm may not... I'm Poe, and I'm gonna need a hat. 
<laughs> well, before that, it says your story may not have a happy beginning, but that st- doesn't make who you are. The rest of the story, who you choose to be. And I thought that was just like oh. one of the lines that is one of the whole themes of this. It's like, doesn't matter mm-hmm. what happened to you in the past or what your beginning is or where you came from. Really, the most important thing is where you are now and where you're going. Yeah, this yeah. actually but- had a really big impact on me because last night I was talking to a friend of mine and he was telling his story about when, I mean, you look, he's actually like a very successful guy. And then to look at him, he's like so happy, so gung ho, like the happiest guy. And he's just like, he's got all the energy in the world. And, and he's like, yeah, but I, I grew up, you know, I have eight parents, you know, I have, I've seen blood on my parents from them fighting. I have, you know, however many brothers and sisters, because I just come from a really bad, broken home. But I chose to just keep going and to make my own way. And and uh, you just it hit me so hard because like that was you would look at this guy today and you would never have guessed that he had anything but the perfect childhood or the perfect life in general. But just to look at how just complete opposite his life is today versus then it was just amazing. I looked at him from last night when I was talking to him, and then this moment, I totally got teary-eyed because I was like, oh, it's so true. Yeah. Well, it, it she talks about the rest of the story is who you choose to be. You can You don't have to keep going down the dark path that you think you're on, but at the same time, you still need to acknowledge and come to terms with your past. You know, sometimes... Um, you know, I like yeah. to think that, you know, in a spiritual sense, we do have a destiny and we do have a path. And sometimes we are taken through a path or carried through a path rather than treading the path that we want. Mm-hmm. And we still have to come to terms with that. And uh, the movie does an excellent job of balancing the two. Kind of a yin and yang thing. Don't mm-hmm. you Don't you agree? That was a theme. The yeah. panda. I loved during one of the final battles, you just see this hint of a oh, yeah. yin-yang, which is kind of one of the things that Shen had been seeing this whole time. Like, a panda will destroy you. Right. A warrior of black and white. Mm-hmm. Right. Poe has his extreme low point, and then he he finds inner peace, and he conquers it. How do you, you feel know? about him having to find inner peace? Because that was sort of a subplot in the first film. Do you like that it was... With Shifu, yeah. Yeah, that it was brought back... In the second film, I I do because um, because it makes for a more dynamic film when a warrior or a hero has to fight fight someone who can match him physically but also spiritually. They do it real well in some of these comic book universes. Like Batman uh, did really well with this with uh, the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. Both villains in those films were formidable um, in combat, but they also brought Batman's spirit to a breaking point almost. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's always more of a payoff to see a hero um, take a fall and then rise up and overcome both physically, but also spiritually. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think it, I think it had to be Poe in this film and I, I hope they don't go into Tigress. You must find inner peace now <laughs> in the next film. But, uh, but Yeah. I'm fine with Poe because he he gets a little more somber and a little more serious. Not that his com- character completely changes, but you know, there's a shot where he <clears throat> is going to do his inner peace technique against the cannonballs, and I always remembered his face. His face is just this very calm, um, concentrating, 
you know, very peaceful expression on his face. And then he ups the intensity and, and starts deflecting the cannonballs. And that shot right there is just brilliant. And it shows that Poe has matured, although he's still kind of the rambunctious warrior that he always was. But yeah, way quicker than Master Shifu. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I like... I like how he shows up, you know, all dramatic on the rooftop. He's like, mess. He's like, Lord Shen, a panda stands between you and China. <laughs> and he goes on with his monologue and then it zooms out and he, you can't, no one can hear him. <laughs> it's funny because it's calling, you know, to light something that, you know, films see past. In most films, yeah, I could hear you from clear across the town. But this points out that, yeah, that's kind of stupid. Of course, no one can hear him. I love that part. <laughs> I also love that part when um, he's kind of deflecting those those balls of uh, fireworks and whatnot, and he can't quite hit the target. It kind of reminded me of Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, where some of the bosses, you just had to swipe your sword, and it would deflect back this, like, ball of energy to the to the villain and whatnot. Um, like, yeah, he oh, yeah, needed, Aghanim. He, he needed to play a few more video games to, to master that. He's not so good. Oh, man. I bet he would. I, I bet he would play a lot of video games if if it was during a time period. Yes, he would. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that yeah. Is no so, um, yeah, very cool finale. Well, I I love the entire finale. I love the the you know epic boss fight, and then um, Lord's you know Shen's um, you know his evil nature is 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 so manifest and he's so driven to let no one stand in his way that he's like, all right, shoot the cannon right there. And he's like, and the wolf boss is like, no, we can't do that. They're going to hurt our own. And when he won't do it, Shen just has enough with him and he just kills him. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> and, and does the cannon himself. Of course, finally he gets blown up. There's one tiny little fight scene between Poe and Shen where, where Poe actually has a little bit of mercy on him. And he's like, look, you know, you don't have to do this. You know, I've found inner peace and, um, you know, you can, you don't have to keep going on this path. The future is what you choose it to be, you know? And he's like, very well, then I choose this, you know? <laughs> and he's like, no, stop. You'll get crushed by your own cannon. What? I'm not listening. Cause I'm too evil. <laughs> you know, kind of a Clayton type of death. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Somebody chided me the other day because I haven't been using the the thunder tube enough. I'm like, I'm sorry, you man. You can't overuse the thunder tube. I know man. you can't. Ah, it's like the skadoosh. You yeah. only use it when it needs it. Exactly. That's true. Yeah, and I like how um, I like how in every finale, you know, there's this epic explosion, but somehow all explosives turn into fireworks at the end. <laughs> Everyone's like, you yay, know, it's the like fireworks. everything. It's like everything's all right. It's like, oh, Lord Chen did have just plain old fireworks. So, like, maybe he was just going to spread fireworks around by by the sword instead of just <laughs> conquest. He's like, you there, you will all bow down before my fireworks show. Woo! <laughs> you know. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know if Shen survived. If you go frame by frame, you can kind of see him getting crushed by his cannon in the background. But it's not certain. So I wonder if he'll come back like Scarecrow in The Dark Knight. <laughs> um, as just a cameo, but I think he's gone for good. Yeah, we don't need any more of him. Uh, on to bigger and better things. But anyway, so and then uh, one more thing I want to say about the finale. Sorry, Morgan. No, I, you're, I think you're going right to it. One last thing I want to say about the finale is, well, like I said, the use of color, how Shen's theme, whenever he's he gains power when he's on the scene, everything's very red. 
and then Poe and the rest of the gang's color is very yellow. So it's interesting at the very end when Poe is um, personally facing off against Shen, Shen, his cast shadow is still red, but Poe's is black. And then the yellow color that I guess represents, you know, the, the good guys, you know, the golden sunshine slowly conflicts and clashes with the red that represents Shen's, you know, brutality and, and murderous nature. And then at the end, it, all the red kind of goes away and we're kind of washed into this golden sunlight uh, color. And so um, the colors in this film, which represents different things, literally come into conflict with each other compositionally. And, it, and that's very interesting. And mm-hmm. I think that's another reason why I think Kung Fu Panda stands out from the other films. It's just visually it is very stylized, but it's such a unique style from all other Disney uh, DreamWorks films. Sorry, DreamWorks films that um, people set it apart as a, more of an epic movie. Mm-hmm. Also, the extremely random reveal at the very end. Yeah, that was, you know, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, apparently, My son is alive. How did he know that? Like it just well, came know, out of nowhere. Mystic. Like I mean, it was kind of like a like well, a his. I, uh, it was kind of like a Rafiki moment in my head. I was like, "What?" What well, suddenly because he found inner peace, then that signified that he had awakened. I don't yeah. know. He was they alive this a, whole time. Why did they come like back? A, like Chelsea said, they should have done the scene where a little piece of um, Poe's fur flies off and he goes on a <laughs> thousand mile journey, and it's caught by him, and he's like, hmm, "Poe," <laughs> you know, and then he he puts on. A little more layers onto the little Poe drawing on the tree. (laughs) (laughs) He's a knife! (laughs) But did we need this? I mean, I guess now we do, because this is kind of one of the main points of plot for the third film. But uh, he already had inner peace. Like, he'd come to grips about who he was. The goose was still his dad, even though he wasn't his dad. But, like, you are my true, you're my dad. Um and I feel like this revelation is just going to cause even more more lack of inner peace. It's going to bring him back to the level that he doesn't need to be. It's going to be more pain and confusion. It's like, oh, you were alive the whole time? But I guess that's what that creates drama for the third film. Oh, how I love the drama. So, yeah, it, it definitely sets up the third film. And I don't know. I think it came on the, the coattails of some of these Marvel films where, like, the after credit scene or the very last scene has to be this, like, epic reveal that gets everyone excited for the sequel, you know? Like, can't, so. can't we just process the movie we just saw without having to think about the sequel? No. No. No, okay. No, never, you can't, never mind. So. That's a simple answer. <laughs> that was easy. But anyway... Uh, yeah, so then uh, the credits are very uh, visually they're very delightful, but uh, I also you as know I, I like to I like to see who's in the cre- in the credits. Um, Guillermo del Toro as creative consultant, I feel like he's everywhere, kind of everywhere. Is. He's a he's a talented guy. Yeah. Also, I like to do this a lot. Um, check this out. I counted twenty six character technical directors for Kung Fu Panda two, and of course there was a larger cast in this film than than a lot of other animated films. But twenty six character TDs, only two concept artists. So if you're listening and you want a a better chance of getting hired in the animation industry, learn technical skills. Because <laughs> they only hire two of these guys per film, you know, but they hire a ton of technical directors. Well that in uh software writing, I, I just read on on worth a mention that the animation industry is being more open to people who know how to write software and more closed to people who just know how to draw. So you mm-hmm. have to know all those things now. And it makes me happy to be at A&M as a visitor. But, uh, whoop. Whoop. but, uh, <laughs> seriously, like technical skills are in such high demand. 
you know, How to Train Your Dragon 2, it took them three years to develop their animation software and, and bring it to that level. Someone had to write all that code, you know, mm-hmm. someone had to do all the, all the technical work on that. So anyway, just a little plug in there. All right, guys. So what would you rate this film? Oh man, I forgot what I rated Kung Fu Panda 1. Four stars, right? Yeah, we're four stars all around. Mm-hmm. Dang. All right. Um, I'll, I'll give it four and a half stars. Kung I'm Fu gonna... Panda 2 is not quite at The Lion King, which is my staple film for five stars. Mm-hmm. But it is really, really good. And it is an improvement on the first one. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I like that too. There, like would... we discussed, there was some story stuff and some plot stuff that was a, a little out of order in my opinion. But other than that, just terrific action, terrific art style, and a, a terrific story. Way to go, DreamWorks. The fact that it made me cry gives it four and a half stars. Like, it had that moment where I was like, ah, oh, I get you. So I'll give it four and a half as well. I'm sort of on the fence between four and four and a half. This is definitely much better than the first film, which I gave four stars. But I don't know. It's like, is it four and a half? Four and a half is, is quite good for me. So, yes, I'm going to give it four and a half because I did like this. I was involved with the villain. I thought he was great. I loved Poe's journey. I love that we got to see a little bit more of these other characters. Can Now, the real question is, can the third film be a five-star film? Ooh. Holy cow. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I don't want to set myself up for disappointment. I'm just going to have a blank slate, open mind with it, and uh, hopefully it'll just blow us away. Like un- like Lord Shen's Cannon of Terror. I hope it just blows me out of a tower and into the Tangzi River or whatever. <laughs> Perfect. Which, sorry, I was going to mention this earlier. Every time DreamWorks does anything with water makes me really happy. Because they're so good at water. Awesome. Anyway. I'm be a, art, a water artist for it's everyone. it's good. into our listener Twitter question. We asked you guys on Twitter, what is your favorite scene or quote from Kung Fu Panda 2 and why? Princess Gem says, the last part, because it was leading to more of this awesome franchise and has a good way to keep the story going well. Smiley face. Eric says, I'm your son. A touching moment that makes it hard for me to pick between the Kung Fu Panda movies. Oh, here's one from Brianna. She says, easily the final battle. Shows how much Poe has come since the first Kung Fu Panda. Oh, that's pretty good. John Lee says, the whole thing, KP, KFP2. I like that. Kung Fu Panda 2 was an awesome, amazing movie. <laughs> so, yeah, awesome and amazing with an apostrophe. Uh, Poe went on an amazing journey, and it's so beautiful from start to finish. Hashtag great movie. And finally, our very own Brandon Smith says, the action sequences, all of them. Good choice. Yes. Yes, they were all amazing. So thank you guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter so that way you can give us your thoughts whenever we ask for a listener Twitter question. And we'll definitely be asking one of those for our next movie, Watership Down. Whoop. All right, folks, it is time for our mailbag of voicemails. So we're going to crack it open, dive right in, see what comes out. Hi, Rotoscopers. My name is Katie. This is my first voicemail. 
I was always a little nervous about doing this because I always sound weird over the phone and in recordings. <laughs> okay, so I heard you guys were doing Kung Fu Panda and Kung Fu Panda 2. I love these movies. I actually saw Kung Fu Panda twice in th- Kung Fu Panda 2 twice in theaters because my cousin had a birthday party when she went to see it. What I really like about these movies, well, first, I love Poe. He's hilarious. And I love Tigress because she's, like, really cool. She's, like, this is a little younger, and I know they've done this a lot, but she's just really a strong female character. And I, I, I just like how she, like, if she gets offended, she just smacks you, and it's awesome. <laughs> Two of my favorite scenes were when the bad guy in the first movie escapes jail because it's, like, this really intense scene, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, this guy is intense. He's scary. You want to run from this guy. And I also think that, okay, your coat is really weird. Are you, like, in radioactive something or other? Because that's a really unnatural coat color. I don't know. Maybe there's some species out there that actually has it. I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Um, My other favorite scene is when Poe is eating those snacks in the kitchen and... The sensei comes in and he's just like, oh, by the way, Monkey hides cookies on the top of the shelf somewhere. And he turns around. And three seconds later, Poe is up there in the little space between the cabinets in a perfect split, eating the cookies really fast. I just, I cracked up when I first saw that. It's amazing. So the second movie I also love, one, because it's a continuation of a really good story. Two, they have a different plot line, which is also cool. And they expand Tigress's character a little bit more. They have her a little closer relationship. With Poe, which is really cool. And the, the villain was really cool because he had those needle feather-like things that just, like, shot out and were epic. And he used a lot of fireworks and stuff. And I love fireworks. Who doesn't love fireworks? I also totally called that there would be a third movie. One, usually you don't have two movies unless there's a third. That's kind of a trend that I feel like only Peter Pan and Pocahontas has broken. Well, and the rescuers have broken. I don't... Well, okay, so I can count a few. But still, usually you make three movies or more. So... I also, so I totally called it be a third movie because at the very end, ooh, spoiler alert, please play this at the end, I don't want anybody being spoiled at this, you find Poe's dad alive at this, like, very camp full of it, and I'm just like, there's a third movie talking about his, his family, and I cannot wait, because, I don't know, he's the only panda, and you always wonder, well, what happened to all the other pandas, and this crazy peacock dude killed them all, and, oh, there's more, I mean, how could there not be more, it's like extermination, genocide side never works. Just saying. They, it doesn't. People can hide pretty well. <laughs> I remember the TV series, and I remember not liking it, because you can never do CGI to TV series at the same level you can do the movies, and that was always so frustrating. But I did see the Furious Five Secrets, and I thought that was adorable. It could truly expand on their characters. Okay, I'm about at my two-minute max, so I'm just going to say goodbye. Got You guys are hilarious, and I love your podcast. Bye! Okay, thank you, Katie. I loved your super, super long voicemail. See, this is why we have the voicemail, guys, so you guys can just give us your thoughts about the movie, rant and rave. Um, I loved how Katie was talking about what she liked from the first movie and the second movie. I definitely agree. Tigress is pretty darn cool. So is Poe. And Shen, which we've talked to death in this podcast, I think we all agree that he's an incredible villain. Um, and so Kung Fu Panda 3, let's just talk about this why, why we're here. Are you excited for Kung Fu Panda 3, Mason? Yeah, I, uh, they left it open for the third part after this film. And so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited for it. I mean, it's hard to top Shen as a villain. Um, you know, they might do, you know, they have the wolf guy, so there might be multiple villains in this one. And so I, I read up on a few of the new characters and, and 
and stuff. I I really tried not to spoil myself because I am pretty invested into this franchise. But mm-hmm. yeah, I am excited for Kung Fu Panda Three if it's if it can combine the heart of Kung Fu Panda Two with like the technology of DreamWorks's most more recent films, like How to Train Your Dragon Two. Um, then I know it's just going to be beautiful. I think people like this film just because it's a style apart from all of, you know, the rest of the DreamWorks films. And so this is a franchise I definitely want to see a third movie of. Yeah, definitely. And so we, there is an amazing article by one of our writers, Max. He's kind of our designated DreamWorks writer, and he is so good. He does such a great job about posting about DreamWorks news. Right now, he's posting about Home, which we can talk about that another time. It's not getting as much attention as I think it, it should. But he also posted some really cool information about Kung Fu Panda 3, which it was supposed to come out December 2015, but it got pushed back because it was kind of around the same time as Star Wars. So eventually that uh, chicken, you know, that, that game of <laughs> Among chicken. Among other things. Yeah, they, they just they said, okay, never mind, we give in. And so it's now going to be March 2016, which is kind of around the same time as Zootopia. So it'll be interesting to see all these animal movies. I guess it's springtime. All the animals are coming out of Attack of the animals! <laughs> um, but I'll include a link in the show notes. I don't want to spoil anyone who's not interested in spoiling it, because it's hard to like skip spoilers on a podcast, because we have to say, okay, skip to 13, 29, if you, you know, don't want to listen to spoilers. Yep. So, anyways, I have read these little new plot synopsis for this movie. Um, there's some really cool new characters, one voiced by Rebel Wilson, one voiced by Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad fame. And um, I'm not going to give too much away, but if that final scene with the panda doesn't kind of indicate where this new <laughs> movie is going, then, uh, then I'm sorry, but it is. So that's all I have. I'll include a link in the show notes. Definitely go check it out. Okay, our next email is from Sarah. Hello, Scoopers. It's me, Sarah again. Yes, I am leaving another voicemail because I love the podcast so much. And yeah. I am so excited about your upcoming podcasts, mainly Washed Down. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> and uh, the two come through painted movies because I love those movies so much. I remember going to see the first one in theaters. I didn't get to see the second one in theaters for some reason. I don't know why either. Hmm. I saw the first one when I went on my very first mission trip, and I just loved it. I remember... When I was in middle school, I just thought it was the funniest thing. And at the time, it was my favorite DreamWorks movie until um, How Train Your Dragon came out. Then that took its place. The second one is really good. It's a lot heavier. Oh, my gosh. It's a very heavy children's movie, but it's so good. And the villain is better from my remember. No, maybe he's not. I can't remember. I only kind of remember him. But wasn't he voiced by um, Sirius Black? from Harry Potter, or am I thinking of a different character? And, oh my gosh, where is it down? Also, I just saw the news about the BBC remake, and I am so excited. I hope it's better than the um, TV show they did back in the 90s. I hated the TV show because they um, bolderized it. Is that how you say that? They they made it too childish. (laughs) And um, they made Fiverr kind of a wimp, and yeah. Anywho, I hope you guys have a good day. I wanted you guys to know that um, one of my current catchphrases is, well, according to the rotoscopers, because I say that pretty much every day 
or at least twice a week. Bye, guys. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I love you, Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea. You guys are amazing. And uh, keep calm and uh, enjoy animation. Bye. Thanks for listening. Ha! You know, I think that we should make bumper stickers that say, according to the rotoscopers, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> or um, or should be like a hashtag, A-T-T-R, according to the rotoscopers. At first I thought she was going to say, according to my research, because that also oh, yeah. is a, Magic quote, school bus. a quote that we quote quite a bit on here. But she oh, wasn't true. going that way. Hey, Rotoscopers, it's Esther. I'm thrilled to hear you're doing Kung Fu Panda in the sequel. I just want to share some thoughts of mine. First of all, this film was a pleasant surprise to me. Originally, I was not too enthusiastic. I thought it would all be potty humor or a parody of martial arts. And instead, the comedy comes from the the timing and the visual gags. I really love the part where Poe comes out of the bamboo kind of balancing on the stilts and has a heartfelt message. It's one where a story where the master has to learn as much as the student. And Poe is just such a lovely fanboy. You have evil fanboys like Syndrome from The Incredibles who turns his passion into destruction. And then you have Poe who's just so innocent that you just can't help but love him. And I think we can also kind of identify with the keeping the action figures on the desk. I have some Funko Pops at my at my office and I love to play with them and get the, oh my gosh, you're so awesome moments there. You also talked about the message of, of the Dragon Scroll, that it's just, it's blank, and how do you just believe something it's special, and it is. And I would say the message is that there is no magic talisman for success. You have to work at it, and then the success will come out of you, as Poe always could have been the Dragon Master, but he had to get the teacher to bring it out of him. And as regards to the sequel, I will quote the Nostalgia Critic in saying that the sequel it increases everything that the first one has, the drama and the emotion and the action, but just does it so well. I enjoy the villain. He's more of a schemer than a bully. He's more bent on pride than jealousy, but he fits so well into the story. And who can't love the flashback sequence of Poe as a baby? I mean, animals are cute. Babies are cute. Pay baby pandas, absolutely adorable. So enjoy it. And in the words of the late Leonard Nimoy, live long and prosper. listening to this episode it has been such a blast to do these back-to-back dreamworks films and kung fu panda one kung fu panda two man i just love this series and i'm kind of bummed that we don't have kung fu panda three to follow up but don't worry this time next year, we'll, we'll do Kung Fu Panda 3. So for show notes for this episode, be sure to go to brotoscopers.com slash 91. That's where you can leave your comment and your own review about this episode, about this movie, and you can also discuss with other fans. And if you're tweeting about this on Twitter, go to hashtag AnimAddicts or hashtag Addicts91 to talk about the specific episode. Also, you can send us a voicemail. Our next episode is going to be Watership Down, which is huge. People, this is probably like a cult class a, a film that is probably one of our number one most requested episodes. So get your voicemails in at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or give us a call at 406-646-6575. 
You can support the show in lots of different ways. You can use our Amazon affiliate link. You can go to rosecovers.com slash Amazon. But, guys, I have something really cool to share with you. We also have new uh, links for some of our worldwide listeners. So if you're in Canada, you can use rotoscopers.com slash Amazon CA. If you are in the UK, you can use rotoscopers.com slash Amazon UK. If you are in... Um, Italy, you can use rotoscopers.com slash Amazon IT. If you're in France, you get the picture, right? So I'm going to include all those new Amazon links in the show notes of every single episode. So that way you can click your respective country. There are some countries that we can't do because you have to have a bank account in that country. So no, I'm very sorry. Japan, we can't get an Amazon link there. But all those oh. other countries, we would appreciate it if, oh, China too. So figures the movie oh. we're doing about China. <laughs> Um, but for all those other countries, definitely check out those links because by shopping at Amazon using our affiliate link, um, it helps support the show so we can keep this going for you guys. And of course, if you like Audible books, rotoscopers.com slash Audible. And my last little plug, rotoscopers.com slash store. This is where you can buy the Roto shirt. We have a little bit left. We're running out of a few sizes. So if you're a medium and you've been holding out, I would recommend purchasing because I think we only have about six mediums left. So uh, time is of the essence. Those are only 12 So if you've kind of been on the fence um, for about two cups of coffee, you can buy a Rotoscoper shirt and you can uh, show off your Roto pride. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, You can find us on Hypable Animated Views and, of course, all great social media accounts. I'm Morgan Stradling. You can find me at Twitter, at Morgan Stradling. I'm not at Twitter. I wish. They have a lot of followers, but I'm at Morgan Stradling. You can find Chelsea Robson on Twitter, at Chelsea Robson. And I'll let Mason tell you where you can find him. Oh, yeah. Um, at Mason SMTX is my Twitter handle. You can also check out my student-slash-semi-professional portfolio, masonsmithportfolio.com. And uh, every now and then I'll post a little something on my blog, thisanimatedlife.blogspot.com. And uh, there you can see kind of like more recent uh, school projects that I'm doing. I am I am studying the field of animation. So, you know, for those who care, it's fun to kind of watch uh, the kind of projects that I do. Yes, it is. All right, guys, that is all we have for you. Again, thank you so much for your support, your love, your comments, your tweets. You guys are amazing. I love being part of this Roto community. And until our next episode, which is the amazing Watership Down. The fur's going to fly. We We are are the the Rotoscopers. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to beam Chelsea in at people. Beam me in, Scotty, she says. I said, yes, ma'am. She can't take any more, Captain. Okay, perfect. A chat message. Thank you, Mason, for helping me with that. No problem, Governor. I'm going to throw up. I'm not going to throw up. I'm (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to... All right, podcast is done. I'm going to go throw up. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm going to put up all of our new Amazon links. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't Morgan worry about it. Morgan throws up after every podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much to handle. <laughs> <laughs> too much awesomeness. Stop <laughs> quoting Jim Cummings, Mason. <laughs> cool. I hope we're recording because I can't wait to hear that. Oh, we are recording. Get ready. <laughs> Oh, Chelsea, you sound so good and not sick. Well, thank you. I I haven't been sick for about a month, but thanks. Well, the last episode. Well, I just want to (laughs) say, I just want to be the first to say on this podcast, we are glad you're not sick. Thank you. It it was a pretty, it was a nasty thing.
I can feel the kung fu. Can you feel it? Oh yeah, I can feel it. <laughs> All I right, love kung fu, kung fu. I've been doing my voice stretches. Oh, that video. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my little video. If it breaks Yay. two thousand, I'll be satisfied. Oh, it's, just give it time. It's gonna, it's gonna be like a hundred thousand before you know it. You need to do your own spinoff <laughs> channel, which is just voice impressions. Time. Yeah, Ma- Mason Dubs. Mason, That's what it should be. Mason Dubs. <laughs> Mason Dubs. Oh, it's great. Yeah. No spoilers. But anyway, um, <laughs> I've been spoiled. Ah, we can say the name of one of the characters. Well, yeah, but we just said he's the villain. Like, what if he's not revealed to be the villain until later? What if he's the Lotso Huggins bear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kung Fu Panda Two: The Kaboom of Doom. Doom on you. Doom on you. Hmm. <laughs> Eric says, "I'm your son." I really touch. Or <laughs> you should say that <laughs> he's not Darth Vader. Sorry, I, I thought I forgot that was Poe's line. <laughs> I'm your son, <laughs> the one true king. <laughs> Rewind. 